0: such an honor to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. My name is Matt and I'm the student ministry director here at River Ridge, and it has been the thrill of my life to lead student ministry here for the last few years. Um, if you've been following along, if you've been around a while then you know we've been doing our Bible in a year series that we're calling Relevant. I hope that that's been good for you and, and if I can be honest with you just for a minute, it's been, uh, it's been really good for me too. Like I've never really been able to follow a reading plan through January to July. Like usually I start in Genesis and Exodus and then I get to Leviticus and Numbers and I just start to trail off. I don't know if anybody else in here is like that, but I, I have all this fire at the beginning of the year and I'm ready to go. But this year I was actually invited to be in a discipleship group. Uh, with a group of guys from here at the church. And, and we decided that we were gonna do the reading plan together. So we started in January and it's been really good for me. We, we decided that we were gonna meet weekly just to pray for each other and to go over God's word together and share a little bit like how God's been moving in our lives. And, and if I can be honest with you, it has been like really cool for me to see the Old Testament come to life. And I just wanna share this with you. For the first time in my life, I've actually followed a reading plan from January to July. And if you've been following along, then you already know this, but in case you haven't, I wanna make this announcement in front of everybody here today, guys. I survived the Old Testament. Come on, you did it. We wanted to celebrate that with all of you here today. Uh, we thought that it would be a cool way to kind of say, hey, we've made it this far. We actually had some of these stickers made. These will be available in the lobby for you to take with you as you go out today. Just just congratulations, like we wanted to celebrate that with you today. Now, what this means is for the remainder of the year, we're actually gonna be going through the New Testament. And it's, it's a lot of exciting things that happen in the New Testament. I've always really enjoyed reading the New Testament, the Old Testament, it kind of just, God just kind of had to get me there. And honestly, it's all great readings, like reading God's word is important. And if you're new to this, or, or maybe, maybe you failed, trailed off at the beginning of the year, now's the best time to get back in jump right back in with us. Next week, we're gonna be starting the series, which means today we're between series. So that means like I get to talk about whatever I want. And I love doing that, being able to come here and share that with you. And as I was praying about what I wanted to share today, God really just laid it on my heart to share how he's been moving in my life the last few years. Because I think that for me, he just said, go, go and tell your story. So that's what I'm gonna be sharing with you today. Um, so, when I entered into my full-time role in student ministry, it was January of 2020. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers 2020. I uh, think that it, everything looked completely different than what I ever thought ministry would look like. Like what I love is I love being around people. Like people give me energy. I love going to events. I love going to conferences. And none of that happened in 2020. Like for the first time in my life, I had a full schedule to do all of that, to go to lunch with people and just be with people. And it shut down. But, but one of the coolest things I think happened in 2020 was we created a summer camp for our students right here in West Virginia. Now we had been going out of state for camps uh, since I've been here and long before I got here. And we've been in some really cool camps, but every camp was shut down in 2020. Like there was just nowhere that you could go that year. So when I came in, we created this camp that we call it Adventure Camp 2020. And I have a picture here to share. We took about 25 high school students up to Adventures on the Gorge. And, and we went rafting and zip lining and we kind of experienced all of what, I'm from Fayette County, so for me, it was like going home. All right? I was taking all these people just to experience the best of West Virginia. And I don't know if you can tell or not, but this was the first time I met Ryan Haddix. I think we have another picture. Believe it or not, that's Ryan right there. Yeah, he just volunteered his time to come and worship with us that week. I would never met him and he just never left. He's been here ever since. So, so we created this adventure camp and what we didn't realize was, that there was there was another church from just down the road here in Charleston that created pretty much the same camp, same exact camp. Uh, they were doing the same thing. They were going rafting, they were going zipline, they were doing all the things that we were doing. And in fact, the only reason we knew about it was because they were calling Brandon, trying to get him to come lead worship for him. And Brandon's like, sorry guys, I'm leading worship for this other camp. So afterwards, Brandon actually got us connected to this other church and said, what if we just did it together? Like, what if we just, you know, said, hey, we'll do a camp together. So we did, we got together and we created what we called Emerge Summer Camp 2021. And we combined with this other church and we took 125 middle school and high school students from right here in the Valley and across the Canal Valley. And it was, it was an experience. It was different. It was really cool. Honestly, it was a little bit rough the first year because we had a lot of personalities, a lot of different leaderships, a lot of people that are just used to doing things their way, but we regrouped. Guys, and we took over 200 students the second year, and it was unbelievable. And then the third year, I'm excited to announce, we took 260 students with us to Emerge Camp 2023. Come on, (laughs) 260 students that were just worshiping God from right here across our region. It was really cool. And summer camp in general is this just unique experience that students get to experience. It's unlike anything else that they get to experience in their life. And seeing students just unplug, like man, just watching them unplug from, from the world of social media and just trying to compete with other stuff and just be students, it's really fun to watch. And we do have a lot of fun. Like we play games, we go rafting, we do all the stuff, but really we just give them Jesus. Like we're saying, hey, this is Jesus, that's it. And this year at camp, we had several students. I don't know the exact number yet, but we had several students decide to follow Jesus for the first time in their life. And on July 16th, we're gonna be right here on this stage celebrating a lot of those students. And all of you guys are invited to come back and to celebrate with us. But I had this moment at camp and this is really what I wanted to share. I had this moment um, at camp and where I stepped back and I saw every student just praising the name of Jesus. And we were singing Christ Be Magnified, if you know that song, and that song in itself is powerful, but, but whenever I stepped back and I saw all these students just lost in worship, just standing there and praising God, it hit me. And it was an overwhelming experience for me because I knew when God called me to ministry that I knew that he called me to do something big, but I didn't know what it was. And then in that moment, it's what I call a full circle moment. It was that moment where I'm just like, wow, God, I get to experience this. See, all I knew when God had told me was I knew that he'd give me a next step. And he told me, he told me to move here. He actually told me and Brittany to move our family to Taze Valley. So we did, 2018, we picked up our kids, packed up, moved down here. My job was in Charleston, so it wasn't like that big of a deal, right? It was actually a closer commute. But God really put on our hearts to go to River Ridge. He said, just go to River Ridge. So we did the first week. And then they were promoting this Discovering River Ridge Next Steps class. So we took the step. We went to the class and throughout the class, we actually heard about an opening in student ministry. And I I had been volunteering in student ministry for six or seven years. So I was like, yes, that's what I want. So I led a guy's small group. And I did did everything that the church offered, camps, weekends, whatever. I had a job that allowed it. So I was just a part of anything and everything that I could be. And about a year later, they asked me if I would ever consider full-time ministry. And my instinct reaction was absolutely, like I would love to five, 10 years from now, that would be great. Well, then Chad invited me to breakfast and said, hey, would you be in full-time ministry? And I was like, yeah, five, 10 years from now. He's like, no, no, like now. And actually I had an opportunity to go part-time that year. So I did. And then I had an opportunity to come on staff full-time. So I did. And, and I can look back now and I can see where God was with me in every step of the way. But had I not been willing to take my next step, had I not been willing to take the next step that God had for me, then I would have missed it. I would have missed that full circle moment where God had invited me to be a part of it. And now I'm here today and I get to have a front row seat to everything that God has for me. I get to see God move in the lives of students from not only our church, but from four other churches from across our region. And this wasn't at all what I had planned for my life. I never, growing up, I never thought ministry was gonna be it but it's so much better than anything I could have ever imagined. And today I wanna to take this opportunity to invite you all to live the front row life. See, I, I am and will always be a front row kind of person. It's just what I love to do. Like if the front row's free, I'm there, right? If church, church on Sundays, I love sitting in the front row, I sit right over here at 11 a.m. with our students. Almost every Sunday that I can be in here, I'm on the front row. If you've ever seen me at a concert, I'm the one running to get to the front row. I'm the one up there, like I think, uh, I think concerts are more like a group participation activity. Like I love when it's standing room only and it's just, it's just fun atmosphere to be around. I'm on the front row. If you've ever seen me at a football game, probably not on the front row. Those tickets, man, those tickets are so expensive that I would love to be on the front row, but I've just never been able to do that. Um, actually, I'm usually so high up that you can like barely tell there's a game going on. When I grew up, my family would, uh, would take me, they, they, I'm a WVU fan, I don't know if it's my cross to bear or what, but I'm a WVU fan. I love watching WVU sports. And, and my family like, would take us to games, usually about once a year, we get to go to a WVU football game. And, and it wasn't like this premiere game, like we weren't watching the Oklahomas or the Penn States. It was usually like a glorified practice kind of thing, right? Where, where you just get to come and watch in front of a live audience. And I didn't know any different, but I loved it. I just wanted to be there. So the experience for me, when I was growing up was like, I just remember we would get up when it was dark. I remember that part. And we would get in vehicles with people, some of our church friends, and we would pack up and go to Morgantown. It was about a three hour drive from where we were. And, and we, would get the, we would get into Morgantown and we would park somewhere near the city limits, I think, because we walked for what seemed like hours up uphill to get to the stadium. And I I remember just like barely getting there and being so excited and and then we get into the stadium and then we have to like take this voyage all the way to the top, right? And you're at the very top and and I was just so excited to be there and i turn around and look and now my dad, he brought binoculars so that he could watch the game, right? And I'm just in the crowd, I'm just a part of it. It was awesome experience as a kid, like we were in the stadium, right, but barely. Now, while I was in college, I had a much different experience. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Like I didn't experience WVU that way. I actually went to WVU Tech, but my mom, many of you know this, my mom owned a small business. And, and as a small business owner, she had a lot of people that had come alongside her to invest in her business. And, and these investors had really good WVU tickets. And when I was in college, I would sometimes get a text the day of, or sometimes the day before a game when they had extra tickets available. Now that was a different experience. They, they, they would send us these tickets or I would go pick them up in Charleston and, and they had this like parking pass with them to a blue parking lot. And, and I, I would, we rode up to Morgantown and they followed signs to the actual stadium. Like we parked we park next to the stadium and I get out of the car and there's like a pet band and food, free food and, and all this stuff going on. And it was like a whole atmosphere. And then when it comes game time, we get to go into the stadium. And as we go into the stadium, we're looking for our tickets and we're like, man, our numbers don't look right. And then we realize they're not upper deck or lower deck. They're actually box tickets to go into these like field boxes they have. Guys, listen, they had a shelter for the elements. Like we were underneath the shelter if it was raining we were dry if it was sunny we were shaded and it was this cool experience we're walking in and there's an attendant that's like hey if you want me to get you any food i'll go get that for you i'm like what like what is this place and then we sit down and there's these little tvs and we're watching like the broadcast on espn or whatever's going on i'm telling you it was unlike anything that i had ever experienced and now that i've experienced that i have a really hard time going back to the cheap seats Right? I don't wanna bring my binoculars to a game. I just wanna be there and experience it that way every time. Well, I share all that with you today because I want you to understand this point, that two people can be at the same event, but they can have two completely different experiences. Two people can be at the same event. I was in the stadium for both games, right? I was at the very top or I had this VIP treatment, but I had such a different perspective. And I think that's the case for many people here today or maybe watching online. Like we're all at this same event together. We're all seeing it together, but we're seeing it from a different perspective. And maybe you're here today or watching online and just checking this out. And we would say this, we would say, we're so glad you're here. We don't want anything from you. We just want something for you. We want you to sit back and experience Jesus. And we're praying that you have an encounter with Jesus but if you've been around church for a while or around River Ridge Ridge specifically, then I would say this, I wanna invite you to come and sit on the front row. Like right now, everybody stand up. No, not right now. But like, I wanted to invite you to this front row life. See, I wanna encourage you just to go all in with everything the church is doing this year. To, to join in with everything going on, to, to connect with God on Sunday mornings through church, to grow your relationship through a group and to serve either on Sunday or through some group that we have so that you can experience the joy that comes along with the front row of life. So I want you to experience this. I want you, this year, I want you to see your church from a completely different perspective. See, when you look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, you can see how he had, how people had different experiences with him Right? There, there were people in the crowd that, that were just like very far out. They could kind of see what was going on, right? There was always multitudes you heard about, but you never by name. So like they were watching him and I'm sure they were celebrating. Like when something great happened, they probably celebrate just like me at the game. Like what happened? I have no clue. Yeah, yeah, that's great. The team scored, but they were celebrating when Jesus did something good. But then you get to the disciples and you can see that they had a complete different experience. They were the people that spent the most time with Jesus. Jesus had handpicked each one of them. There was 12 of them that went with him. And not only did he handpick them, like they knew him personally and he knew them. They got to experience him in a complete different way. They They were not only able to watch his miracles, but many of the times they were able to participate. See, the disciples had a front row seat to everything that God had for them. They got to watch everything that Jesus was doing. Now, Jesus chose them and to use them to do the work of the ministry, just like he chose us. Like they were, they were invited, just like we're invited, to participate in everything that Jesus was doing. And they experienced Jesus in a unique way. Well, today, today I wanna to look at one specific story in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we're gonna be talking about one specific story where Jesus done a miracle. And, and just to give you a little bit of context, Jesus had already done the Sermon on the Mount. He was going around teaching and healing people everywhere. And, and it says that, that he had kind of secluded himself away. He kind of went away to a private place and on a mountainside and sat down. A lot of times in the Bible when Jesus did that, he was kind of reconnecting with God. He was also resting, doing that kind of stuff. And then it says that the crowd found out where he was and they've made their way to him. Now, it wasn't like he was you know, across the road here at Arby's. He was actually like far away. It was about a day's journey to probably get to where he was. But it says the crowd found him and they started bringing up to him the lame, the blind, the crippled, and all these people and laid him at his feet. And all of these people had heard about this man named Jesus, they weren't necessarily followers of Jesus. A lot of people think this was like Jesus expanded ministry to the Gentiles. When he started actually healing people that weren't as a part of it, he was doing it to spread God's word of course. But it shows us that he cares about us. Like he cares about not only the Jews, but the Gentile. And and you can imagine if something like this was happening today, how far would people drive? Right? How far would people drive if they knew Jesus was just a few states away, just to go get an experience? How far would you take people that you knew need to experience healing? Like we would carry them, we would take them there. And this is what this crowd was doing, that they were carrying people all the way up to Jesus. And um, it says that he healed them. It says that he healed all of them and they were celebrating. And then it says this in Matthew uh, chapter 15, 32, it says Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not wanna send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way." Now, Jesus had already healed them, right? Jesus had healed their physical needs. Don't you think that he could have healed their hunger too? Like he could have taken care of that? I think it just shows us how much that Jesus cares about us. Like he cares about that they were hungry. Like he literally just made people that maybe never saw before in their life. Many people had never experienced walking before in their life and, and Jesus healed them like that. But now he's saying, I care about them. I think it shows us how much compassion he had. And his disciples turned to him and answered, where could we possibly get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now, the Bible says that there were 4,000 men at this event, not including women and children. So it's probably estimated 10,000 people were at this remote location. Now we do events here at the church. Now I know like when we're planning and prepping for a lot of people, you get some weird looks when you pull up to the checkout at Walmart with like one item filling up a whole buggy, right? There's a lot of planning that goes in for that. So part of me is like, I get it. Like I'm with the disciples. Like how are we gonna feed 10,000 people? But you know, this really shouldn't have been a surprise for the disciples. If you flip back to Matthew chapter 14, This is the second time that Jesus had to do this miracle. The first time Jesus fed the 5,000. You can go back and read about that. And the disciples were just there. They just witnessed him feeding 5,000 people uh, right in front of them. Very similar situation, but two completely separate events. And the disciples had just watched him do this. How quickly did they forget? They just watched him do that miracle and then turn around and like, where could we possibly get this much food? And then Jesus, in his grace, he just turns to them and he says, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have, right? Jesus, he, he could have snapped his fingers and they would have all been full, right? Everybody there could have been filled up. He didn't have to do it, but he chose to use the disciples. He chose to use them, right? He, this is what I don't want you to miss. He turns and he asks, how, what do you have? He doesn't say, what do we need? He doesn't say, how big is the crowd? He doesn't think about that. He says, no, no, what do you have? And, and the disciples look at him very matter of fact, and they're like, seven. We have seven loaves of bread and 10,000 people. And then, and then they say, and a few little teeny tiny fish. I, I love how they say that. I don't know if you can read emotion into that text, but I just think that they would probably say it that way. Like, like I think they would have said, we have only this little bit, but then they made their little bit even smaller. They could have just said we had a few fish, but they said we have these teeny tiny little fish. And I think that this answer reveals just how little they thought they had to give. They really didn't have much, but they even made it smaller. Just a few small, little, teeny tiny fish, but then they give it to Jesus and look at what Jesus does. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground and then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people. He took what little teeny tiny bit they had and blessed it and then gave it back to them to serve others. And then it wraps up and it says they all ate and they were satisfied. But not only that, afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and the number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. You see, 4,000 men, women, and ch- or 5, 10,000 people were all ate and satisfied because the disciples gave what they had. They gave what they had. And not, not only did everyone have enough, there was extra left over. See, here we see Jesus took what they had and when they gave it to him, it became more than enough. It's because the disciples chose to give what they had. Now he could have done it all on his own, right? But he chose to use them. And this is what I love about this story. I think this story shows us that his power and, and that he has the power and he is the source of life and that he is the one that, that empowers us to go and serve others because he wants us to be involved. And when a church starts to get that, then I think amazing things start to happen because that's exactly how Jesus set up the church, right? right? He could have done it all on his own, but when we see how he used the disciples, that's how he chooses to use us. It's interesting for me to also think about why we see the 5,000 and the 4,000 feedings, not only two different events, but in the same chapter of the same book of the Bible. And I, I think for us, maybe it was for the disciples to see that God, he was telling him, I can do it, right? The disciples watched it and they still question, where can we possibly get enough food to feed these people? And I can see Jesus just like shaking his head. Like, didn't you watch last time? <laughs> like go back to your Facebook post from last week and see what you shared last week about how I did it. But then he just stops and he goes, okay, what do you have? What do you have? And maybe it's there to remind us, just like the disciples that day, that he can and will do it again. That whatever, whenever we choose to give it to him, there's always more. There's always more than enough. There's always enough to feed the crowd, but there's more left over. And as I was listening to Blair's message last week, I realized that his bottom line, like the main point of his message was the same as mine. And it just hit me that, that maybe that was for you. Maybe you heard the message last week where Blair talked about us taking our spot on the wall and how how River Ridge exists because everybody takes their position and serves their role every week. And maybe you're here today and you heard that, but you didn't take a step. And this is God just saying, hey, hey, I'm still here. I want you to hear this today. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you today to come and sit on the front row, to get a front row seat to see everything that God is doing right here at River Ridge. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but what's going on here as a church, it isn't normal. For a church in West Virginia to be going the way it is, it isn't normal through a pandemic. And I think we have to step back and realize that God is doing something amazing here. And I want you all to be a part of it. I don't want you to miss it. I'm inviting you today to come and sit on the front row. But, but if you're gonna sit on the front row, there's a few things that I want you to know. When you choose to sit on the front row, there's a cost. There's a cost associated with it. Every seat has a cost with it. And you pay premium price for a premium seat. Just like, just like when I attended the, uh, the ticket, the WVU game for the box tickets, right? The price, man, I open up the envelope and look at the price on those things. There's no way I'd be going to that game, right? There's no way. Or, or when you go to a concert and get the front row, the ticket price goes way up. But man, the view, the view is worth it. It's so incredible. And you can see that whenever you step back and look at the life of Jesus and his disciples, the, it says in Matthew chapter 8, 18, it says the teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus just replied, hey man, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. There's a sacrifice involved. And this was something that I would never considered before I went into full-time ministry. I never really even thought about sacrifice because of all you get to do. Now, I'm not telling you that it's that that bad because honestly, I can't complain about how well I'm paid and, and how I get to do this. But what I'm telling you is exactly what Chad Cobb told me the first time I had breakfast with him. He said, Matt, you'll never be paid what you're worth in ministry. He said, you'll never be paid what you're worth. Meaning, meaning that if we're using money to determine how much we've, we are valued, then it'll never add up. You see, the world has a currency to show you how much you're worth, but God doesn't follow that currency. God operates outside of the US economy. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our, than our ways. And that if we follow him, we just have to trust him that it will be worth it. So what does that mean for you? Well, I don't know for me, like is a big deal, but also Tom. Time has a currency as well. Time is very valuable. And and maybe for you, time's what you value most. And maybe that means that you need to sacrifice some of your weekends to come and serve, to come and take your spot on the wall, to come and be a part of what we're doing as a church. I did it for seven years as a volunteer. I totally get it. It's tough, but man, it's worth it. It's worth it. Now I can look back and see how God has, has moved me and grown me in my life, but also through students and people that I've been able to impact as well. Just know that it costs you something. And, and something that I love about how our church operates is we give you that opportunity every week. We have two identical services and you can come and sit one and serve one every week and you still get to attend, and you still get to experience what God has for you, even if you are serving. Now I'm not saying that you have to serve every Sunday, but what I'm saying is give what you have, Just give what you have. The cost is worth it. And when you choose to sit in the front row, the second thing you need to know is that there's a risk. There is a risk involved. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Reading that verse, that everyone, everyone involved will be persecuted. Aren't you, and if you look at, If you think about that, it's a little bit risky. Like the more you put yourself out there, the more opportunity there is for you to get mocked and ridiculed, and if you're on the front row, then people can see your whole life. They can see everything that's going on with your life because they're watching. And for just a brief moment of transparency, uh, if anybody knows me, knows that I love to sing. I love worship. Worship changed my life. And, and whenever I got to get to experience worship on the front row at either church service or a concert or event, man, like I'm all in. I'm one of the loudest singers around. If you've ever been around me, you know this. But you also know that I probably don't, and I, I'm aware of this, I don't need to be holding a microphone. Like, that's okay, I get that. Like I'm not on key, more on volume, right? Um, but <laughs> Anyways, I'm a very passionate worshiper. And sometimes when I'm singing, I forget the correct words to sing. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I get kind of lost in worship and I start singing my own words. Uh, It happens, it's funny. We usually kind of share a laugh with myself and the people around me. But see, I don't think it's that big of a deal to God. I don't. I think that God cares way more about your heart than he does your ability to sing the right word or right note. He cares way more about your intent I think it's evident in scripture when he says that, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Because he sings correct note? No, no, because he will do everything I want him to do. And he does it wide open, he does it Full on, and I know we all know man, if you can go back and read David, he messed up time and time again, and i 'm not going to excuse what he did, but I think whenever we choose to go first, meaning whenever we make the choice to follow God, even if no one else is doing it, even if the whole world is going the other direction, I think that is what that 's what God wants to see from us. It requires us to live our lives a little risky, we may not get it right all the time, we may make mistakes, we may sing the wrong Word, but if that's the risk you run following God, then it's worth it. Maybe for you, that means you just need to put yourself out there a little bit more. Like maybe for you, you just need to take that step that God's called you to whatever that is. And I don't know if you know this, but most of our ministries here as a church are all volunteer or either started by volunteers or volunteer led. Just to name a few, Dollar Club, Freedom in Christ, Ridge men, Ridge women, Foster West Virginia, each one of these ministries are either fully led by, or were started by a volunteer. Meaning that as a staff, we didn't have this plan that we said, we're gonna go do this. No, no, somebody came here and said, hey, I feel called to do this, will you help? And as a staff, we don't hold onto the keys. No, we we exist to kind of come alongside you and empower you to do what God has called you to do. So it's not gonna be easy. But I want you to experience that because I want you to experience the joy that comes along with it. And it may force you to make some difficult decisions, perhaps even career changes. It's definitely a risk, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it because, point three, there is a reward. There is a reward. You get get a front row seat to everything that God's doing, like happening as it's happening right in front of you. There's no substitute for that amount of joy. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, we get to experience eternal glory and that alone should be enough. But there are also rewards for you here on earth as well. Not just hypothetical ones. See, Maslow's hierarchy of needs I don't know if anybody studied this in high school in psychology, but Maslow's hierarchy needs defines the basic needs for every human. And it starts at the bottom. It says the basic needs for air, food, water, and health. And I don't know if anybody here has ever watched the show alone. Like every time I watch that, I'm reminded not to complain when the wifi signal's not working, right? The, the basic needs. Most of us don't struggle with these basic needs, but it says once all those needs are met, we go up the pyramid, the need for safety, shelter, stability all the way through social ego to the very top, which is their literal meaning. Self-actualization literally means to be all you can be. But see, Maslow himself actually revisited this later in his life. And whenever he revisited, he said, there's actually a need that's higher than all that you can be. It's actually a need that exists outside of yourself. And it's a need that he called self-transcendence. So here's a quote from Maslow before he passed away. He said transcendence refers to the very highest and most inclusive or holistic levels of human consciousness, behaving and relating as ends rather than means to oneself, to significant others, to human beings in general, and to the other species, to nature and to the cosmos. See, according to Maslow's self transcendence brings the individual what he termed peak experiences. My moment at camp, peak experience. And these are moments where you transcend from beyond your own personal concerns and you start to see from a higher perspective. And these experiences bring the individual strong positive emotions like joy. Don't you want more joy? Like peace and a well-developed sense of awareness. See, this is exactly what happened to me at my full circle moment at camp. And I want all of you, I want all of you to experience some of those peak experiences in your life. I think it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever experienced personally. And as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus, we are all called to do the ministry. Sure, not all of us are called full-time ministry or to go lead a body of church believers, but we are all called to do something. And whenever I say that, there's something that hits your heart. Right now there's something that God has called you to do, and I know that, because from the very beginning that He created you, He created you with a purpose. He didn't create you just to come and watch. He says, "No, no, no. If you follow me, He turns and says, "What do you have?" Just like Jesus with the disciples. The call is the exact same for us today. when all we see is this little teeny, tiny bit that God's given us, and, and we hold on to it like God, I'm just holding on to this, and God says, "No, no, Just give it to me." And we say, Jesus, no way, there's no way. The need is too great, it's too risky. Don't you see how big this task is? And then Jesus turns he says, hey, hey, what do you have? And that's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to just give what you have. I wanna invite you to that front row life to experience it for yourself. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your grace and kindness. God, that you allow us to come and to experience all that you have for us. God, that you not only allow us to experience, you choose to use us. God, that we can be a critical part of your ministry right here in River Ridge, right here in Taze Valley, West Virginia. God, I pray for each person in this room or watching online, God, that, that you, would, you would just push them, God, nudge them as you nudged me years ago to take that step. God, my prayer is that they can experience the fullness of life, the fulfillment, the joy, the peace that you've given. God, I pray that you would just help us as we go from here to use what we have for you. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you guys for attending today. That concludes our service. Make sure you grab those stickers on your way out and celebrate along with us.